On this episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience, John Maddox sits down with digital marketing expert, Ryan Roberts. Ryan is a marketing program manager at YouTube for a company called Firewood Marketing. The two compare LinkedIn, Facebook, and Google advertising, when to utilize low friction questions, what to do with leads you normally throw away, and much more. All right, everybody, before we get to today's episode, I want to remind you that we have a Fun Loans YouTube channel where we put a bunch of highlights of the podcast up there for you guys to go review, share with friends. So go over there, like, share, subscribe, and tell us what you want to hear. Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fun Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million dollar opportunities. Hey, all right. Welcome to the podcast. We are here with Ryan Roberts and you are a TVC at YouTube. Yes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here and, and definitely love the mortgage industry, mortgage space. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to dive into all the technical stuff. So if you are interested in leads and like how to better your um, business that you're listening to the right podcast. So nice. Um, thanks for coming on. And let's talk. Let's just start out with like, how'd you get a job or how'd you get connected to YouTube. That's it's yeah. a big company and I'm sure they only hire talented people or you think they would. Yeah, it's interesting. So the backstory there is uh, I had kind of Google in the crosshair for a really long time. And over the span of between maybe four or five years, I had been consistently applying and obviously not getting anywhere, you know. Um, it's just really hard to get it, a job there, period, yeah, full stop. I, I can imagine. Um, so the what ended up happening is um, I applied for a role outside of Google that was with uh, a contract agency who staffs for Google. Hmm. And so that was really my first kind of entry point. And I did uh, about a year on the partners team, which is responsible for one of the kind of monolith marketing programs at Google, mm-hmm. well regarded for essentially, you know, extreme degree of success. Um, and then I took some time off, had a kid. Cool. And uh, yeah, Quinn, uh, she's about uh, 20 months old now. That's and, awesome. Um, did a little stint between there uh, and being back in mm-hmm. the private lending industry and uh, did kind of the same thing to get back in. Um, right. And long story short, I have the same manager that was at the partners team. It was like this really familiar situation that's super fun. That's cool. Yeah. So YouTube is quite a phenomenon. Like, I mean, my kids yeah. don't even watch TV anymore. Because the yeah. YouTube and like I'll find them like on a couch with the laptop and there's no TV going like it's like, <laughs> why do we even have a TV? You know, it's yeah. like, that's all they want to do. So YouTube has really mm. come in and basically dominated. It's like become the new yeah. TV, right? For, especially for a certain age demographic. I mean, I find myself now even wanting to watch YouTube because it's just so much learning. There's so yeah. much on it. Like you could <clears throat> learn a language. You could learn how to play guitar. You could learn anything for free, yeah. you know, because and you got to sit through a couple ads. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually and where I work is you, a team that, you know, provides uh, subscriptions or the advertising for subscriptions. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the, the consumption is interesting, though. Like everybody wants what they want when they want it. Mm-hmm. And YouTube is providing sort of that interesting outlet uh, where you can literally find anything. But one thing I noticed is that when you're watching mm-hmm. YouTube, you are getting more 
good ads. Like, yeah. They're not all crappy ads. Like when you watch TV, you're like, you know, you're watching all these pharmaceuticals, like with thousand, you know, you hear all the thing, like you might have blindness and you know, all the side effects of whatever drug they're talking <laughs> about. It's like, like that's, that to me is like what the epitome of, you know, you have to sit through if you're watching TV and you're listening to ads or TV commercials, yeah. stuff you're not interested in. Mm. But when you're watching YouTube and you're watching a video on, you know, motorcycle racing or something, they're going to give you an ad that's geared towards that. Yeah. And so if you're watching this podcast, there's a chance you might get an ad based on real estate, mortgages, 100%, something like that. Yeah. So how can our viewers and listeners take that and use it to their advantage? Yeah. So twofold, um, YouTube has uh, what's called TrueView inventory um, that allows you to advertise on specific channels or across specific demographics, mm -hmm. you know, the mentality of hyper targeting, meaning you can literally sit down with a piece of paper and scratch out your ideal target. And you can basically refine for that in AdWords, right? And mm -hmm. deliver video related inventory or search engine marketing related inventory uh, ads specific to exactly what you're trying to accomplish. That's cool. Yeah. Um, so so it's, has it changed? I know Facebook has changed. Like I remember yeah. when I was uh, marketing on Facebook a lot back in like 2012, 2013, 2014, uh, earlier on when I was dealing more with people who had foreclosures. And I was trying to target, you know, renters and I could drill down on zip code, the sex, the age, the, you know, everything, the, yeah. the amount of money they made, the demographic, like so detailed. Mm. And then you could really target it. You said that changed. Like yeah. what, what's changed in, in that, in the marketing? So very recently, the level, uh, the, the playing field has been completely leveled in, in Facebook and primarily their policy. There are no legalities. We function in kind of an unregulated financial category. So we don't have the same constrictions that you would in a government regulated category. Um, so that being said, Facebook took a proactive approach due to a couple of lawsuits, I think three in total that basically touched on, um, you know, a lack of diversity in marketing. And so essentially the people that are possible candidates for, you know, the types of financial products were not being reached and essentially weeding them out before they ever got an ad. Mm. Um, and so basically Facebook created this thing called a special ad category. So no longer can you do things like um, age, sex, location, postal code or by MSA uh, to get to that exact individual that you're looking for. You think the TV industry is like, look, you know, we don't want you to have this advantage over. I mean, there's got to be something more to it. Or do you think it's truly virtuous that they, they don't want people? I, mean, I don't know if I can talk about this. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Like, I mean, I think this is I think this is Silicon Valley in true form. I think that it's primary, primarily uh, a revenue centric mentality, mm. meaning they're encapsulating uh, diversity or, you know, diversity and inclusion as a means of capturing a longer tail revenue. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's not totally virtuous. There's got to be there's money yeah, behind it, too. Yeah. Which is their business. You yeah. They're going to do that. So I understand. Yeah. But so how has it changed uh, with with you said it's like completely level playing field. Yeah. So what can't we do now? We can't target like I just said, you can't find the house you know the house um that you want in a certain neighborhood or you like you have to actually be more broad like can you go deeper on that account yeah sure so you're you're definitely limited in terms of how you stand your campaigns up it's not as simple as audience modeling for those specifics anymore so like is that across the board for facebook and youtube or google um or? so google products are totally separate okay that has not hit the you know production environment in google yet meaning like so you can still do it in google yeah well, to a pretty great. high degree and it's actually getting a little bit better because i think they're filling a market gap yeah because you can't do it on facebook exactly 
Um, so in terms of the Facebook stuff, um, you know, the, the limitations are basically everything that you used to do, you can't do anymore. Um, so standing up those ad groups or standing up those campaigns specific to, let's say, a given financial product, like a jumbo loan mm -hmm. in your top MSAs where the median household income is above a certain threshold and the median sale price of homes is well over two million bucks. It's really difficult to get to that degree anymore, if not impossible. Wow. Yeah. So like, for example, um, I have some stuff running right now that is state specific and across five different financial products. And, you know, what I've found is that it performs um, in terms of volume. We have really high lead flow and volume, but we have uh, significantly decreased cost. The leads are not really all that great. Right. And so I think that lends well to other possible means of qualifying leads. Like what could we do ahead of your get the Glenn Gary leads? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like where is the business and where are the be where's the best value? Right. Yeah. So with um, with Google, you can still do that in YouTube. So, yeah. so would you, you know, I know there's been a huge push in the broker community to start making content to really dominate your, you know, your, your niche or your, you know, your sphere, like maybe that's a 50 mile radius or 20 mile radius, whatever it is that you, yes. you know, you're all the realtors in your neighborhood, all the, to really focus on that. So tell us about how you can do that still with YouTube. Like, can you make content and then have it only show up? in like a 30 mile, 50 mile radius. Absolutely. And then you're only spending money on people that are right here that you can go knock on their doors and stuff like that. How yeah. does that work? Owning your backyard is, is huge for growing your business and mitigating your financial outlay yep. in those situations. It's really easy to run aground or run dry from a financial perspective on these ads. If you don't have a true understanding of what conversions and what, you know, your revenue or ROI looks like on that investment. Right. It's not as simple as just kind of back of napkin stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so in order to target those regions, there are definitely ad products out there within Google ads, which is prior known as AdWords or AdWords Next. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do exactly that. All right. The specificity of search engine marketing for specific terms across exact financial products like um, what's a, what's a like recent self-employed mortgage, jumbo mortgage. Like if you've been turned down by the banks and you're self-employed and your income is, is good and you know, you can afford a home, but like, for instance, the bank doesn't think you can cause your yeah. tax return doesn't say you can. Yeah. We can help you with, you know, showing 12 months of your bank statement deposits. Something like that would be like an ad that I think would go well to someone who's looking at real estate maybe and they know you know they're self-employed or you know they're they're like they're an entrepreneur and they're watching entrepreneur videos you know you could probably target right to them yeah through absolutely something like that. so um adwords also has audiences for those types of individuals now too right it's something that's rolled out over the past couple of years which is a new feature um the idea of targeting at a product level um, something to really think about there, especially in the mortgage space, is uh, what sort of search volume is there for these kind of emerging products or categories? And are you capturing that at uh, an early stage where search volume is really low and you're essentially investing in nothingness? Mm -hmm. Or are you doing it like your idea was to do it with SEO? Like mm -hmm. early on, early stage, mm -hmm. you've got a longer term residual effect with SEO that you wouldn't have with SEM. SEM is constant Instant. money right. where SEO is residual over time and great for an emerging financial product or category. Right. So, so how to, um, so is search engine optimization still, say for like a mortgage broker, business to consumer, they're trying to reach consumers who are looking to buy homes or they're trying to reach 
consumers that are trying to lower their interest rate or pull out cash or trying to do something with their with their home is that hmm. uh like adwords like people what are they searching for these days are they saying like yeah you know uh best loan best rates like you can but there's probably like I can only imagine all these big, you don't want to compete against a quick end. You don't want to compete against, uh, you know, like a Wells Fargo or chase. So like, how does someone differentiate from like those big? Yeah. Um, right. So the, the way to rationalize that is to align yourself perfectly with what people are searching for. And that really starts with the like down to a long term. Like if you know what they I can't get a home loan from the bank and like, like, like not that terribly or, that long, yeah. like more like, um, uh, jumbo mortgage for 2 million bucks or 90% LTV or something along those lines that, uh, and I don't know the, the mortgage industry as well as I probably should to speak on the specifics, but from a general conceptual standpoint, what you would do is align your common search terms or the things that you think people are looking for right. with landing pages and content specific to what they're looking for. That's good advice. Right. So like so you don't want like to, to send someone to just a general what website page that is like a million dollars, right? Like you yeah. want, you want to specifically link that to a page that speaks to them. Exactly. And it has the same message with a capture, some kind of capture, right? That goes even a couple of steps further. So the person that picks up that phone to talk to that lead should be extremely versed in that product mm -hmm. and being able to actually close that funding scenario once they've started speaking to that individual. That's even more important. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also another really interesting caveat or thing that's kind of emerging in the lead gen space. Um, and that's sort of like this mentality of mutual accountability, right? So you have this warm lead that comes through um, and there's really nothing on the backside of that except possibly a phone call. It's sort of a passive approach. Um, the concept of inserting a calendar for the accountability of booking a meeting, it, it speaks volumes to the degree of intent that that individual would have, right? You're also driving mutual accountability between your LO and the potential borrower who's reached out to you about that property. So to, to set them up for a calendar meeting, you're saying? It's as simple Versus as Versus like a now call. Because if you do a now call, it could go to a voicemail, it could go, you got to literally sit there by the phone. I remember those days when, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, we'd send out the mailers and then we knew it was going to hit on a Monday, but it might be a Tuesday. So you have everyone <laughs> there ready phone. and they're all like waiting by the phone and then mm. they start happening. They start happening. They call in and, and then you answer and you get everyone. And then some phones are, some, some are going to voicemail because there's just too many calls coming in yeah. and it's panic because it's like, but now you can, you can literally drill down to when and where and how yeah. all this happens. It's like so much more controllable, right? Mm. Like, is that what you're seeing? Because I know you've created some lead systems for mortgage people. Yeah. So how, um, you know, and, and people who are watching might be like an individual mortgage broker who might have a team or they might have, you know, their, their um, specific little, their little shop, right? It might be yeah. him, you know, her and his, her husband or him, you know, one, two people. Mm. Can they create like their own little landing page and do it just as easy? Yeah. Should they hire someone to do it or should they, can they just figure out how to do it themselves now? Is it that easy? Or I think bring well, a teenager in and tell yeah, them. Yeah, neighbor kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I think, I think all options are viable. I think end result is really what matters the most. I mean, you can refine stuff, yeah. right? Like you can, it's better to just start to get going right. and, and start moving in that direction than to do nothing passively and hope that business will occur because it's changed so much. So can you do like a little scenario on how someone would set up a, a lead campaign? Yeah. What's, what would you go? You wouldn't do Facebook anymore. Cause Facebook's it's hard. 
YouTube. Yeah. Would you go YouTube? What if I they don't want to be in front of a camera? Can you still do an ad? And well, so video ads, interestingly enough, um, six, 15 and 30 second spots of those three, six are performing the best in terms of engagement. Six seconds? Yeah. Um, so it's essentially pre-roll that you would see on YouTube. Right. There's caveats it's to that. It's where they say the, the three seconds, you can skip it. Yes, right? exactly. The annoying. I, I skip every single one. I, and I think the, one out of a hundred might get my attention back. What is this? Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. They're getting better. Yeah. But keep going. Sorry. No, that's cool. So the, the idea is, uh, a lot of people are consuming that content in what's considered a lean back mode. They'll basically sit back and start flipping through stuff or they'll have audio off. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so voiceover okay. and clear content, uh, essentially subtitles on the video are huge, like small things that will move the needle in terms of, you know, So you should always have subtitles on your short you commercials. Know, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So your short commercials, Instagram ads, you know, the same place that you're running that content in, right. in Google, you know, YouTube TrueView or on Facebook and Insta. Um, you can use it in all three places. And there's I mean, there's so many cool ways nowadays to to get content made or to get videos made. And like there's Fiverr, there's some freelance workplaces. You can just go. I don't know if you've heard of Fiverr, but I'm going to yeah. do a little commercial for Fiverr. F-I-V-E-R-R. -R. Yeah. I used, I've been using that for like 10 years. It was a secret that I never would tell anyone about. Because well, it started as a $5 site and yes. now everything's expensive. Yeah. You can still get some <laughs> stuff sort of inexpensive, but yeah, they've really capitalized on made. Yeah. yeah like I could literally get things for five bucks and, you know, you could arbitrage it. You could, you could sell it to someone else. If you had a nice brand, you know, you could, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, think Fiverr, there's probably others that you can make little, have them make you content yeah. for a hundred bucks or two, whatever it is. And then you can take that content and put it on YouTube. Hmm. Right. Like, yeah. So you don't have to spend a ton of money. You don't have to have a big camera crew or no, you can just, you just gotta like kind of search for these things yeah. and learn. And then you, you say so what you would do is you'd put that on YouTube and, sure. and, and then how do you, then I get what I'm thinking is then there's a call to action, right? They click on the, on the page. Yeah. Would that take them out of YouTube somewhere to like a website, right? Yeah. You want to take them to a landing page that's specific to what they were showing interest or intent in. So you have to make an, uh, a landing page. Yeah. And do you, I bet you on Fiverr, there's people that make landing pages. Sure. Fiverr, Upwork. I mean, mm -hmm. tons of places to go for that neighbor kid. I mean, all you really need are some qualifying questions mm -hmm. and a place to store some information so you can pick up the phone or handle it by drip SMS, like whatever your, your you, mentality would you is. you do like some people are going to go and do the thing that they think is right, mm. which is ask 30 questions like, you know, or some might be even maybe it's even worse to only ask one or two questions. Yeah. So you, there's a number, magic number. What do you like? How many questions did you ask for a mortgage lead? Degree of intent, right? So the more questions, the higher the degree of intent, especially right. if someone actually makes it all the way through that conversion funnel, the lower the number of questions, uh, the lower the degree of intent, higher lead volume you will have. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be real specific about the questions that you're asking when you start to really narrow things down. Um, and something kind of know what the result that you want. You want them yeah. just to call so that you can chat away with them and try to convert something. You know, if you have a wide net or mm. if you have a, a niche, you maybe you want more questions to have more. Right. Exactly. Narrow. Um, something else that really stands out and in that process are the order in which you're asking those questions. Hmm. It's really interesting because you start with what are considered or called low friction questions, meaning like, what's the address of the property? 
Mm-hmm. How many prior properties have you done? And you start to move into the more complicated, higher friction personal questions like first name, last name, mobile phone number, With email type. Yeah. Further back in the funnel mm-hmm. where their degree of intent is higher because they've already made it through either step one or three or whatever. How hard is it now to get? I've seen these really cool lead capture things where there's like a game almost. It's not just a. Yeah. Like if you go to a mortgage, a regular mortgage, like a like a small time mortgage shops website. Yeah. You might have like the drop down, like what city do you live in? And it drops down. And yeah, that's like pretty good. It's better than just, you know, fields where you have to type. But like if you go to like Lending Tree or these other like more like focused on getting leads, they've done a great job of making it fun. So yeah. pictures of homes, is it a single family home? Is it a condo? And they put a little picture of like a cartoon condo. Is it a, you know, is it a three to four unit? You know, and so then you have and you just click on it and it's like you could use it on your phone, your iPad. It, it makes it totally fun. Like yeah. not, not fun, but way better than having to type crap out. Right. Lower so barrier to entry. Is it easy to get those little plugins now? Like if yeah. you like how hard is it for someone to add that to like a, a, pay, a landing page where it's like easy? Like, super trivial. Um, I cannot remember the name of the one uh, that like comes Ninja to Forms mind or something. There's there's tons out there, but the idea that you're you're portraying is something as simple as like clicking images rather than filling out fields. Right. And it does a couple of things. It gives you better data because you're setting a thresholds and what you would expect to get mm-hmm. rather than people kind of fat fingering or misfiring on things like phone numbers, et cetera, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which now there are also services kind of equivalent to what you're talking about, like uh, Twilio, which is allows you to verify whether or not that phone number is legitimate. Shoots mm-hmm. them a text message. Pre-qualifies or basically assesses whether or not it's real, waiting for them to reply. Yeah. No one um, likes getting a lead and then the phone number is six, 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 nine, six. You know, you're like, really? Waste of time. <laughs> like, or we're zero, zero, one, 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 one. You know, you're like, I've, I've been at the other end getting those leads and going, this is terrible. Yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah. It's no <laughs> so fun. something like that is like a huge benefit. It's like, you know, this is a good lead. It's been verified. Yeah. Right. And then you move on. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the the concept of moving uh, or re- maybe repositioning your LOs so that they're not necessarily ever even receiving those leads until they've been moved from marketing qualified meeting. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah. that's that's good because because you there's no other there's no better way to give bad morale to a sales team than to just give, give them, them crap leads. Yeah, we've yeah. seen it in all the movies. Like Gary Glenn Ross, The Boiler Room, all these movies, right? They're just like, like this is crap. Why do I, you know, it's wood, like or whatever, right? Why am I working this list? Yeah, and so um, how can you improve that if you're like a sales manager, you're like own a company, you have a bunch of LOs, you want to give them good leads, or you want to you want to make sure these are the Glenn Gary leads? Like, how do you do that? I think this is a growing mentality in the lead gen space as a whole, but I think it will probably surface in the mortgage mortgage industry first. Um, and conceptually it's, it's as simple as someone picks up the phone before your LO and pre-qualifies that individual before they ever even speak to your LO, right? So like all the way through that funnel, they're aligned perfectly from a search perspective, like what they searched for the lead and landing page that they filled out Mm -hmm. and the pre-qualification questions that you would ask before they hit the LO who's qualified to service that type of loan. Right. So it's literally an end to end like solution or picture or best scenario for that borrower Mm -hmm. and your LO. 
Yeah, because I've got I've seen leads that come in and they're like, um, I'd like to consolidate my credit cards, but I I don't own a home, <laughs> or I just need a twenty thousand dollar consumer loan. And you're like, no, we're a mortgage wrong company. House. Yeah. yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> yeah, and so you're saying you want you know you might want to put more of a not low I'm you know low level, but like more of an intern or someone that's just a phone yeah. taker. Maybe they have great like customer service skills, but they're not yeah. a salesperson, right? They're just easy to like ask questions and they're nice or kind or whatever. Yeah. And then that person go, okay, well, I'm gonna put you with the professional now. And Johnny, you know, he's our one of our best and you, they could build them up, right? Like yes. Johnny is is one of our best. I'm gonna send you over to him right now and you're gonna he has a great call and then you know, you set it up and you know that he's Johnny's waiting, you know, like that kind of thing. Is that that is exactly it. Perfect fit from end to end aligned exactly with the type of guy they need to speak to or girl they need to speak to on the LO side, mm-hmm. um, you know, aligned product perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, I think, you know, I remember a receptionist would do that. She would be the one to answer. She'd take the notes. She'd ask like three or four questions and then transfer them to the next rotation, Rob. But I, I remember doing that, like when the phones would ring on. But are you saying that you would do that on outbound, or would you, mo- or like, so if you got a lead in, yeah, right, and and it was like a, you know, lead from one of these th- these these websites, you yeah. would have someone outbound calling that. I immediately, yeah. so an immediate connection needs to occur, right? Um, maybe they would set appointments, or do you think it's important to, to get them on the phone as, when, as yeah, soon as possible? Phone, yeah. Yeah. Get them on the phone as soon as possible, regardless of mutual accountability and time set. Mm-hmm. Move away from the mentality of being patient and waiting because they're not going to pick up the phone. Especially if they're looking they're for a loan. They're yeah. shopping. They're going to get whoever they get on the phone first is probably who's going to get a lot of their information. Exactly that. So getting them to that point and starting that conversation is key. Um, the five questions obviously vary from product to product, but the mm-hmm. idea is to make sure that they are touched as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, because some, you know, if we're not we're not doing double wides or like, um, you know, loans on Winnebago's, we're we're doing loans on homes and they might be like, you know, I'm looking for this trailer home loan. You know, yeah. you're like, well, we don't do those or we're, we're looking for I'm looking to buy an apartment building. Well, mm. you don't necessarily do that. So it's good to have those those uh, divider questions that help keep everyone's time. But, you know, loan officers definitely should be doing the best that they can to yeah. have you know the best leads and that makes sense so it, it probably goes a long way have you seen people implement that not to the degree or extent that we're kind of discussing here um and maybe that's a lack of inexperience in the mortgage space and maybe it exists to a certain extent i know in the qualified mortgage space there's mm-hmm. a company called op city okay. that has a relatively similar model Mm-hmm. Um, they claim to have two to five X close rates over traditional leads, which is, it's really high. That is high. Yeah. Um, but again, like given the changes that we've seen on, on Facebook and, you know, essentially customer act or lead act, um, the volume has increased, uh, the number of leads and volume that you can drive is huge. Right. So implementing these types of ideas or concepts are becoming more and more necessary because mm-hmm. you're essentially weeding through or you're relying on your LOs to weed through what hasn't really existed before. Right. 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 Yeah. We, uh, when I used to do retail, uh, we would, we'd buy leads too. Yeah. And that price was starting to go way up. Yeah. I can imagine now like lending tree, all these, these leads are expensive, right? Terribly. Yeah. So would you recommend if someone's serious about doing that, do it themselves instead of just buy them? There's an advantage to 
both sides of it, but I think over the longer term, um, owning it, owning like the concept of owning your backyard, owning mm-hmm. your legion, owning your business mm-hmm. right from end to end is the mentality. But starting out, I can totally see the necessity for that because maybe you haven't, you know, you haven't got the experience, you haven't dove in on it yet, you don't have the right resources around you. Probably uh, costs a lot of money to to set up a really good. It's not but, cheap, but you can turn it on and off, right? There's like a little volume. There's like a light switch or a volume control. It's a yeah, right? Like you, so you don't have to go out and spend a fortune, and no. you can say, okay, we got too many leads, let's back it down. Yeah. When do we ever have too many leads? But no, <laughs> but you can. <laughs> when you, you have too many leads that don't close? Yeah, that's always the problem. Well, then you can go refine yeah. it, right? And yeah. then you can, but but like, I guess the question is like, so then you either you can either buy leads, you can hire someone to create this for you. That's like a consultant, mm-hmm. or you can hire someone in house to work for you. Mm. I'm sure all of them have advantages and disadvantages, right? Yeah, like the consultant route is probably good because you get a highly um, specialized and someone who isn't going to work for your company, but they're going to be like, I really know what to do. Let me just give you my expertise for this period of time. And then, you know, we can have a maintenance thing or something, but yeah. Um, versus, well, I'm going to hire, you know, someone who is less expensive, but then I'm going to give them a ramp up because they're going to learn, you know, and mm. like, what, what do you think, what are the advantages and disadvantages of each of those? Yeah. I mean, the advantage of having a specialist over a short duration of time gives you um, probably a, a lower barrier to entry, right? You're going to get to your end goal a lot faster. Mm-hmm. The inverse of that hiring uh, kind of a generalist that you would train over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see some advantages there because you're building loyalty in a relationship with someone who really wants to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's huge over the long term. Um, inversely, you're trading time and potentially money. Um, time is money. Yeah. And qualified leads for, uh, you, you know, the added benefit of a great relationship and possibly long tenure of an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a trade-off. Like if I were to, if I were to do that now, yeah, it would probably be with uh, experienced specialists in that area. And then it's essentially that individual standing up operations mm-hmm. and somebody else taking it and running it. So you have an employee that that can take and run it and then hire a consultant to like work with that person. So they, and this person will learn, like the employee will learn and eventually be able to take, yeah, and take, take the ball when it's time, the baton or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you have like a mentor and and someone that's guiding you that you're going to, you're going to avoid the, like a tour guide. You're going to avoid the bad streets. It makes, it makes the most sense. I mean, it's like you've got certain individuals for certain aspects of redoing a house. Yep. Right. Like your tile guy, like your framer. It's a reason. Yeah. You don't yeah. go to an ice. You don't go to knee knee surgeon for your eyes. <laughs> right. You want. <laughs> otherwise, you're going to mess up and they're going to mess up. So, yeah, you have definitely have to use experts for reasons. Yeah. You know, there's a reason why um, I think real successful, successful people use specialized experts for whatever they do. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's talk about. Um, branding. Okay. You know, cause, uh, one of our last podcasts we just did was about branding, branding yourself, branding, you know, we were talking about like when you even put on your clothes, you yeah. put your, you know, your, do your hair, oh, like yeah. your, your image to the public is, you, you know, it shows, can you be trusted? Can you, people make thousands of like data in their, in their brain to decide if 
they like you or if they want to trust you, if they want. So a brand is similar, right? And so mm. I think you're you're thinking, you know, it's not necessarily about the logo, but it's about a message or it's about a product that you're branding. Mm. Um Talk to us about that. Like The one thing that stands out immediately in what you said is trust, right? So right. you're a brand's definition. Uh, I take this from a, a well-regarded industry individual. Uh, it, it's your, your gut instinct about a product or service. Trust. Right. Right. And so do you trust the companies that you're working for? Do you trust the clothes that you're buying and essentially portraying yourself as, mm-hmm. you know, X, Y, Z? Right. And that's ultimately what a brand is. And a lot of people misappropriate or misinterpret what that really means. They think it's their logo. They think it's the aesthetic of how they present themselves. But it's those are kind of innate attributes. They're things that underpin trust. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it's another one of those areas where, uh, especially early on in inception, that I would definitely recommend being articulate about how you invest. Right. Especially things across like the gamut of logo, identity, et cetera. And your message. Right. And like yeah. your products like if you are um, and, and I think it's 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 almost silly, but it's so obvious. Sometimes you you look at different things that are successful and you just can model that. Right. Like you can yeah. see, like, what did this person do? And you can do that similar thing. Right. Like you it's not reinventing the wheel. Like, no, you can like there's reasons why there's several really great brands for whatever, for cars or for, right. And they each kind of have their like Volvo might have like a, uh, like a a leaning towards adventure, like Jeep, you know, adventure or whatever. And, um, you know, Mercedes is a little more like, you know, posh or whatever. And like archetypes. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, how do you look at a brand? How do you start going about taking your brand to the next level? So just, Say to embrace your ethos and be conscious of where you're delivering your message. Right. Yeah. You have all these different mediums. I know Gary Vee is a huge proponent of like mm-hmm. use everything right. and learn everything about those mediums. Deliver in the places that you find people are interacting with mm-hmm. your brand or your message the most. Right? right. If it happens to be LinkedIn, play ball on LinkedIn. Let's talk about LinkedIn. So yeah. like LinkedIn, um, I'm telling you, I it's so frustrating to read emails from people on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I want to punch people in the face. I don't There's, mean that like violently. I'm not a violent person, but yeah. literally I want to punch the email because yeah. it's like, hi, my name is Joe. I wish I could just, I should just read one right now. Dude, I got an Instagram called LinkedIn Flex that I'm going to send you after this. It is incredible. I'm going to leave the names out just to protect, protect the innocent. But I'm telling you, this does not work. These What these people are saying to me on LinkedIn, I will never... And it's like they're playing it. It's like almost like I hate to say this. Cause I've, I haven't been single in like 17, 18. I mean, probably 19 years. I've been married for 17. But like there's probably people that are just just like throwing stuff to see who's going to date them. Right. That's like exactly. That. So like with business. Um, like, hold on. This look at this. This is like a long email. I'm not going to show it on the camera, yeah. but like how long the email <clears throat> is. And, and like, I'm going to read that, right? Like, are you going to read that and like, and then respond to them? And, and I won't say any names, but can I talk yeah. about this? All right. Yeah. So I read this. And the first thing I would ask about this individual is, okay, well, what sort of predicate experience do you have? Like what leads you to believe that someone like yourself, who's been in the mortgage industry for how long? 20 years, 23 years, 23 years. 
what makes you think that you can write me this message and teach me not to be cocky or yeah, uh, yeah but the idea is like what am i going to learn from you right like, this is a cold call you need to come at me with something way more objective than yeah. you know i'll help you with leadership skills <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i maybe, got you too know, for that I need, yeah maybe I, yeah maybe i need it but um i, I mean but but you're not going to get a response first off like i think the, one of the biggest things is uh the fact that people spend so much time on an email, formulating an email, thinking like they don't take it in, in, in like in their mind. Like, would I read this personalization? Yeah. And the, and yeah, they're not personalizing. They're just they're, they're spamming. Yeah. In a way that they, they think oh, look at this one. Are you looking for a website designing or marketing website? Marketing will help you with most responsive, compatible, all mobile types, blah, 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 blah. We're experts <laughs> in dynamic websites, website design, mobile responsive, blah, 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 SEO, WordPress. I mean, I just now read this. I probably it's probably been in my inbox forever. But so let's play the opposite end of that and tell people how we actually met. Right. Because yes, I reached out to you exactly in, in cold fashion on email. You did. you did. Because you had a listing for exactly what you were just talking about. Yep. But I I let's be honest and open about it. Like I didn't approach that from anything but a like, hey, this is cool. And you and responded. You, I think you might have said something about my podcast. Yeah. Like you might have said something that caught my interest because. You know, like when we were just, I was just watching Gary V um, at the AIM conference. He mm. was like, if he, someone asked him, how do I get you on my podcast? And yeah. he goes, he goes, I used to BS people, but now what I do is, is I just straight shoot you. So he's like, I'm really trying to get my wine business off the ground. It's this <laughs> empathy wine. Right. And he's like, I, I need help with that. And that's where my focus is right now. So if you can read, you know, you reach out to the, he named the guy, John or something from, from empathy wine. And he was like, if I can benefit from you. Yeah. He's like, look, if you, this Brutal. is what's going to be catch my attention. Yeah. You know? And, but like, that's how you, so keep going. You know, I think you, it's, it's interesting what you're pointing out. The fact that he is absurdly honest about his expectations and the people that want to work with him or have him on his pod, their podcast, mm -hmm. that's the entry point. Yeah. Right. By 10 K, he didn't say it like by 10 cases of my wife, but <laughs> I mean, you know, if you have like, maybe if you are a, you own a restaurant and you like, I can now feature your empathy wines. Yeah. If you come on my podcast, we'll talk about it and we'll, he probably would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. That's super interesting. You know? So like. He's calling Gary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, no, but so keep going on how you um, you approach, because I, I, yeah. I mean, you remember better than I do, because I mean, you're here, obviously. But out of the blue, you called you were it was a cold, cold email, cold totally email. cold email. And it was on a was it on a weekend. I think? Yeah, Saturday, Saturday morning. I was just or even a holiday. Maybe it was like Veterans Day or something. Yeah, it was on oh, Monday. You're right. It was we were when was your kid's birthday? It was that Friday. Saturday, Friday? Yeah, but we had on Saturday, we celebrated. So, so it, was, it was Saturday. Saturday, I basically was flipping through LinkedIn and I get those messages that show up. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I love the mortgage space, especially private lending. Mm -hmm. Shoot this guy an email. So let's talk about how I find your email. Don't tell no, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, no, this is actually do super it. beneficial. Yeah, yeah. So there's a tool called Hunter.io. Okay. Right. And um, you basically take some guesses or you can type in a domain okay. and it will tell you the validity of whether or not that email exists. Interesting. So once I had that, I was like, mm -hmm. fire off an email yep. and you wrote back right away. Uh, that was great. Yeah. And I didn't know you from Adam. No? I think I might have seen you in the building once, like, but yeah, yeah, I didn't know way. you. We didn't like you didn't know me. So you said it was short. I remember the email was short. Let me see if I can find that email. Yeah. Because that was interesting. <clears throat> Purposefully short. 
Yeah. And because th- what I would do on LinkedIn when I wanted to get a hold of someone is I do, you do a little research. It's easy enough to find out something about someone. You start out with something that they would be interested in, like whether they're yeah. a Bucks fan or they're a Chargers, whatever. Anything personal. And then you, you, you bring it to them short. Yeah. Right. You got to remember people don't have time. There's so many emails, so much noise. And then you go from there to what? Why you stay, you're honest. You yeah. stay why you're, you're emailing them. And, uh, let's see Roberts, Ryan Roberts. What else? Tell me why I'm looking this up. Let's see. What else is uh best way to kind of reach someone in, in, in the cold space? Oh yeah. Sorry about that. Um, cut that out. <laughs> um, well you, you start out with, I live in Encinitas. That's yeah. our hometown. Right. Yeah. And, and but so if you didn't live in it, you could say I've been to Encinitas, right? <laughs> or you like, I love this one restaurant that you know that probably I've been to because I'm this age and I like this, you know, like you could have easily made a connection. Yeah. Um, well, think about all the applications you got for that open rack. You probably got 200 plus mm-hmm. and nobody opened up with anything real. And no one emailed me either. Suckers. Uh, the email, probably the the, yeah. the the generic email that, you know, whatever. So Black um, hole. You talked about like, you know, you, I could, so when I look at an email and I think all of us do, you skim, right? And if you see certain keywords, like you said, my wife and I are nearly, you know, you talked about, there's some personal stuff. Yeah. So clearly I read it and you also gave some, some qualifiers of why you're the man for the job, right? Like, so you're not too, not too braggadocious, but, um, but you know, you, and you tied in some interesting things that were, and it, and it was not as short as I thought, actually. Your first email. It's pretty long. Was, it was longer than I would have probably done if I was, if I'm teaching someone how to do this, right? Yeah. But it still worked, right? Yeah. And I think it was probably because you addressed to me, you named a couple things about uh, things that I'd be interested in and exactly what you saw my ad. I think you said something about my ad. So I, I think it's probably worth sharing that some of the content in there is podcast centric this yeah i created a really big podcast at, yeah. at google you, yeah you which created is the super google. super mm-hmm. lucky to work on it's just serendipitous and that uh, actually caught me because i'm super interested kind of exactly. like Gary he's, he's focused on his wine business yeah. <laughs> right now i'm focused on the million dollar mortgage experience podcast yeah that's what i'm doing a lot of now so it's like you knew what i was focused on yeah yeah damn you fun man <laughs> no it's good so i mean that like mm. go going back to linkedin so when you're reaching out, because LinkedIn's a good way to mm. meet people and reach people. and But I think it's a way to find people and find out things about them. Yeah. And you don't necessarily want to send them an indirect message in LinkedIn. Because Not at all. there's so much noise. Yeah. And I think a lot of people disregard the messages that get in LinkedIn. It's good for list building, meaning if you have like 10 or 15 brokers that you think are real high value targets, mm-hmm. a lot of times they won't put their contact information there. Sending an in-mail is like throwing a paper airplane into the wind yeah and so true just grab hunter io their website try and find out who they are where they are and find write some, some connection points yeah. you might have with that person yeah they're human they're real people like they you know like we're we're bit bu- i'm freaking busy yeah right but i take time to do things like this take time to talk to people i think they can add value to me and to my business and the same thing i want to do is i want to add value to this other people's business yeah and if i see a connection with something you know it, it resonates i think mm. what we're trying to do is resonate with 
another human. Yeah. And if you don't resonate, it's just noise, right? But you resonate, it's like there's something there. And like you go, okay, I want to talk to this person. Like like that, that right there is, is that's why I want to, I want to get on, on our podcast, um, someone uh, who's definitely not in the mortgage business, but they, uh, they, they're pretty famous, but they're not, you know, they're kind of, their band's not as famous anymore, but I want to get them on the podcast because they are, they have just transcended from where they were to where they are now on in a totally different market and been able to connect with people that are like in the Senate and like, in like Congress. You're talking about Tom DeLong. Tom DeLong. Dude, I run into him all the time. Let's get him on the podcast. Oh man. I want to find out how he totally changed, reinvented himself, became like able to connect with you know what I mean? Like that, like that's a significant thing. How can you do that when you're in the mortgage business and you want to find you, you are now say doing FHA, VA conventional, which are all great loans. Like yeah. they're all, it's money makers. It's stuff. It's, it's vanilla. I like to call it. How do you go from that to finding a loan? Now you're doing loans for people like senators or like congressmen or like, you know, like next level. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Positioning opportunity. The message you reach out to them about or with. Yeah. Yeah. So like there, there's, there's things that you can do with your life to, to, to change. You just tweak little things. Don't follow the, like the Pied Piper and do what everyone else is doing. Do like some, take some moments to write. Like what yeah. else can you do? Yeah. Differently. I mean, Tom is an incredible example. And I sometimes, um, I've been following that category for a really long time. Yeah. He's, and his, his recent work is nothing short of incredible. Yeah. And the, ha- the fact that it's happening right here in our hometown of Encinitas is yeah. even more interesting, but to actualize like the John, you know, the high level individuals of the world and turning them from conversations into partners or customers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that process exists in everyday life right. and not everybody is tackling it the way they could be is I think what you're saying. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you do that? That's, that's a gift. It's, a, yeah. I mean, he has a gift obviously to be able to do that. Um, and, and I think all of us can learn from that. Like, it, it, and that's why I want to have him on the podcast, but uh, more, more back to LinkedIn because yeah. I think a lot of people use LinkedIn to try to, what do you call it prospect right yeah so you 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 find out some stuff about somebody you go on hunter dot hunter io io and you get their contact and you're getting now you're not just getting like a spam email you're getting the real email yeah one thing is so funny is like you and and I, i thought about this is like if you know the company that the name of the company, like fund loans, right? Yeah. You, you could guess. probably guess and send three or four emails. One, you know, John, you know, or John Maddox or at fund. I mean, right. Like what, what is, what's your best guess? At what? Well, so the, the first email that I sent was yeah. to an email address that you used to have. Like which, Jay Maddox or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. That came back from Hunter IO and I got a kickback. So I immediately went back and just started guessing until I got a verification in Hunter. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So you probably could get like anybody's email address, right? I think you were telling me about this, John. Yeah. So um, you could literally reach out to people, high level people that, and then if you have the right message and it's not too long winded, yeah. you know, don't think you're that great that you want, that they're going to spend time reading something that they don't have any clue of why they should read this. You're, you're throwing darts either way. It's just a matter of whether or not you're, what you're sending is resonating with them. It's better for you to say, hi, what's up? 
yeah. then because you might get someone going, uh, I don't know, what's up with you? Because like, it's just different, <laughs> do I, right? Do I know you? Yeah, did we I work together? Yeah. yeah, like, uh, did I see you at the bar? Yeah, you know, like, what, like, you would, but, but I think you have a better chance of someone responding if yeah. you just do something like that. Yeah, I agree. I want to talk about LinkedIn from the other perspective, too, which is this marketing, right? Right. Like paid advertising. Mm -hmm. This is kind of a, I say this cautiously, like because I don't have a ton of experience serving ads on it, but it's a really complex platform for mm -hmm. serving ads. Like mm -hmm. the experienced individual stepping into that would probably have a little bit of learning curve there. Right. Um, the other side of it is what I found in, in kind of small tests for everybody who's listening that might be interested is that it's really expensive. LinkedIn is very expensive. And it's because it's business to business, right? Business to business mentality. And, you know, their ad products, I would say, are not nearly as mature as some of the others out there. Right. Right. Because you probably can't drill down. Or can you? Can you, you, you can, can do, find out what they work, they do for a living? Yeah. And, yeah you yeah. can do a really high degree like of targeting. target. Like yeah. if I want to target just self-employed people, can you target people with certain income? Sure. So self-employed, but you're going to spend money, but you're going to get a great lead. Probably. The, the, the way to do the income targeting in some of these platforms is specific to external data. Meaning you would just serve your campaigns based on, you know, the areas that have a median income of X. Okay. Rather than relying on income data in LinkedIn, which doesn't necessarily exist. Right. So kind of interesting ways to pull like zip codes or other info into the mix okay. and be extremely targeted without having that built into the ad product itself. Gotcha. Yeah. So if, if um, you're in a mortgage company you're if I'm hearing you, you'd go do YouTube. That's the main thing. I mean, there's and some LinkedIn, maybe. True, yeah. So Google ads, YouTube, TrueView stuff mm -hmm. is readily accessible and you can serve on channels that or across audiences that are really specific to your business and your market. Um, SEM is still dominating. Uh, underserved areas are actually Yahoo and Bing, which are really easy to replicate your campaigns. Hmm. The reason it's underserved is that I didn't know they still existed. They do. Because Google is, is dominates the, yes. the, the space. But um, what's interesting is that the costs on both of those are significantly lower and the results are relatively the same. Huh. Right. So, so you can, yeah. You, and uh, you wonder, too, like, like you think of, you know, being right. You're going to have someone has a Microsoft product. That's right? exactly it. Age, demographic, they line up really well with most of the financial products in, in the mortgage hmm. space. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so unpack that a, a little bit more about yep. um, how we how we can market mortgage stuff to. I mean, I, I come back to this whole scenario in my head and I'll kind of, you know, try and lay it out. But there are roughly two hundred and thirty thousand private lending transactions a year. And there are roughly three to five thousand private lenders in the space competing for those transactions. Mm -hmm. Where it gets really interesting is the fact that these borrowers, they self-identify as investors, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you're, you're already working with a, a somewhat misplaced individual in terms of who they actually are. An investor, most of the time, doesn't need outside capital. They're using, from a definition yeah. standpoint, they have capital. Right. That's why they're an investor. So now you've got 230,000 transactions that are 
they're data sparse. You have no idea who these borrowers really are because of the way they file and fund it. Could be a doctor, but then LLCs. they invest on the side and they need a loan, you know, or whatever. Exactly. They have a little bit of money, enough to, to leverage and buy property or whatever. Yeah. Exactly that. So your your transactions are buried in in unknown data sparse info, meaning nobody really knows who these 230,000 borrowers are until one of the three to 5,000 mortgage firms actualizes a loan with them. Mm -hmm. What's even more interesting is that none of them are loyal. Not a single one of them in most cases are sticky to a particular lender or broker. They'll move around and they'll shop from mortgage to mortgage. So you're essentially looking for who are those people in that pool of 230,000 transactions and what could we do differently Mm -hmm. to build a database of those individuals? Nobody's done that. Adam Data, which is the leader and yeah, in that category, they have a really good understanding of the number of transactions where they occur, the delta between purchase and resale price, mm-hmm. but they have no idea who the borrower is. Hmm. So you've got this whole industry propped up on people competing for, let's just say, one of the biggest players in the space does 100,000 leads a year, right? Mm-hmm. And they're weeding through the same things that you would right now right. in order to get to that 230,000, you know. Or a snippet of that. Yeah. It's crazy. So how do you get to those people? How do you how do you get that data? I mean, you have to them on YouTube. I've or? really struggled with this m- mentally because it's an interesting problem to solve for. And I think software and time, like there's this there's this idea of like the lead flows that you were talking about, meaning people are inadvertently filling out information and contributing to something they don't even realize, which is a larger data pool. Okay. Um, on the backside of that, you've got questions to pre-qualify the loans and leads, right? Mm-hmm. And essentially that would be feeding back in. So you're painting a clearer picture as to who these people really are, right? And eventually that's going to grow to a point where you've got 10,000 actual borrowers in your database, mm-hmm. not 10,000 looky-loos who are trying to fund a loan that they have absolutely no idea yeah, how to if do. Yeah, you could find someone who recently closed on two or three transactions. Yeah. And you see that they have a pattern, right? Like they're they're closing every 6 months or they're, you know, they're doing these things. Yes. And then you could get that data, that person get in front of them with a proposition, the value prop that's that's good. Perfect for them. Yeah. When they, they're going to give you a shot. There's a good chance you're going to have a call. You're going to have a totally different call than you would normally. Your LO is not going to feel like they they're talking to somebody on Mars. Right. Right. The the interesting stuff that I was working on uh, on the backside, um, conscious of time, was um, Redfin and um, Zillow both have predicate sale history on properties. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about that information is you can start to, with a scraper, assemble an insanely clear picture of the realtors who are commonly transacting these types of properties. Mm -hmm. So you can see outliers in New York, Maine, wherever, where they've done like 20 properties. And now you hand that information to your LO and say, this is literally the most qualified list you're ever going to get passively. Mm -hmm. They're not looking right now, but I guarantee you these, these guys have done 20 transactions in this space. Well, and then you get someone where you can then take you can help them like you can take a lot of that stuff, refi them or you can help them do other stuff. Yeah. One, one of the things that I love about um, the the hard money space and, and getting leads from people that are doing hard money mm. into the non QM is that a lot of the hard money 
lenders need to recapitalize and they need to get these these loans yeah. paid off. So sometimes they have a, like a portfolio that they're like, you know what, I've got like seven or eight borrowers that are coming close to the end of their 12 month term or their eight, whatever it is, 18 months, 12 months. And uh, they, I don't, I don't see them selling or flipping out or I don't see them getting out of this. So here you go. Call Joe, Joe Smith and get him a new loan. He's going to run aground financially. You yeah. need to help him. You need to give him a better rate because he just can't continue cash flowing on this thing. It's not working. So, yeah. you know, they'll just hand you over. So if you partner with a private money person, you can easily get, you know, leads for non-QM. Like yep. it's, that's, that's a, if you're not doing that already, get, do that. Cause that's yeah. like, that is easy, easy money or easy leads. But to go back to like, you know, um, really getting low cost leads that are good, mm. you know, you need to probably set up a system and be meaningful mm. and mm. take some time to yeah. like, th- to do what we talked about. Like yeah. get a, get a, get a scrubber, someone who's going to, you know, find out if they're human or if they're not wanting a car loan or a, you know, a loan in a state you're not licensed in or whatever. Sure. Right. And then that just, you just save the, the person with the license to do loans a bunch of time mm. and not, and, and save their, mor- their moral m- morale. Yeah. Right. Like your LOs are going to be way happier and they're not weeding through the sea of garbage. Right. Right. So yeah. I think that's a good takeaway because it's, it's, you don't want to work for a company that's just giving like, terrible leads yeah you know, like here's a phone book call yeah go dial. the first mortgage company i worked for was called uc lending and it was like around for 50 years and that was their claim to fame they were a subprime lender i was probably 23 or something 24 maybe 20 years old and uh i remember sitting next to this guy I forget his name today but um he was one of the best cold callers like he was, and so i was supposed to learn from him how to cold call and he had like these stacks of leads and, and I was just listening to him. I was like, I just can't do this. It's painful. I can't, I can't do it. So I literally it's got telemarketing. Up, it's tell it was telemarketing. Yeah. And he was trying to sell them on, you know, taking cash out of their house. So he had a list of probably, I think it was just people who are homeowners that had higher, high interest rates. Right. Cause mm. our rates were really high. They were like seven, 8%, 9%. Mm. And that was back in like late nineties, um, mid nineties. Anyway, uh, I got up out of there. I walked out. I walked around the building that we were in, <clears throat> looked at directories and signs, looking for people who could potentially give me referrals. And I found, oh, interesting. and I just started finding people. And I just walked up to him. I was like, hey, I'm in the mortgage. Here's my card. We have, you know, we do really unique type of loans. Like, yeah. do you ever come across people that, you know, get turned down or like, just start having a conversation. Normal conversation. It's like LinkedIn 1.0. Yeah. And yeah. these people will be like, you know, yeah. And then like, I think I've told the story before, but one time I went into a boat dealership and asked the finance to see the finance person and asked if they ever have people they turn down that are homeowners. And he's like, yeah, I have a whole, a whole drawer full. And he opened it up and he handed me a stack of leads of homeowners that got turned down for a, for a jet ski or for a yacht or whatever. Refi them out, go buy your jet ski. Yeah. Here's cash out. And, and, and we, and I did it. I got some loans out of it. And wow. so I think like there's, there's just, you can't follow the pack. You got to do something that's a little different. Yeah. Um, if it's not working, stop doing it. Unless it's like one of those things you got to push through and persist, you know, to break the resistance on it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, anything, anything else that you think we missed? I know there's a few things yeah, that we covered. Yeah, I had a rap sheet. I mean, the only other takeaway and thing I think is worth sharing is the idea of leads that don't align well with your business are also possible candidates for resale to other 
companies like yeah we function like you yeah. can send them some trade business yeah, trade right them. so like the so if you get a lead that's for a car give it to a car lot and ask for the inverse yeah right ultimately what i found is that the credit repair companies are really interested in these types of individuals because they can't qualify for a home mm-hmm. and from the credit repair standpoint that's typically one of the main drivers for mm-hmm. signups so it's a huge win on both sides of the fence so you, you, gotta, you should have a credit repair person that you are in with because they're going to give you business and they're going to retention and trade. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So, I got nothing else. I mean, that was super fun. Any, uh, so one thing I always ask all my guests is uh, we all have failures in our life. Yeah. Whether it's personal business, we all learn from failures uh, because that's how we become successful, right? 100%. Do you have a favorite failure that you had? Favorite failure? Where you're like, man, that just... That taught me a lesson. The one that eats me alive and keeps me up at night, like hand on heart. Um, I did a really successful product that sold a ton. All right. And on the backside of that, I thought I could move into the medical space. And I put a ton of money up chasing this concept of uh, measuring lung function. Right. In mm-hmm. a $16 device versus $1,800 devices on market. We lost a ton of money. We got no traction. We learned a ton, made a, made a ton of great friends. but. Frankly, that turned out to be my college education because I never went to school. Right. Well, so you learned a bunch, but you, it was a f- huge failure. Ultimately failed, but you, you you met a lot of people. You got like, yeah, it's crazy how, yeah. you know, you can't regret things and you just got to keep moving forward. But there's so much we can learn from failures. Yeah. I love it. Cause Startups it, 101, Silicon Valley. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. the invite. Man. And before I forget, please like, share and subscribe. Yeah. And also, how do people find you? Um, so I put my, my email address up on the end of the, the video, okay. um, but it's just Ryan at E1Even.com. Cool. E1 even. Yeah. I thought it was 11. Yeah. So it's, there's a one there. Long story short, first computer age of 11. Another nice. episode. Nice. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for coming on, man. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk again and uh, maybe do another podcast and uh, hopefully this was a value to you guys listening. So thanks so much. Thanks. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you guys are looking for more content like this, we have a fun loans YouTube channel where we give away more tips, secrets, and origination ideas. You can also email us at info at funloans.com. And if you've made it this far, I think it's safe to say you like our content. So please subscribe, share, and send us your scenarios. Let's fun loans together.